Hey y'all, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. We are here on episode 55 and after a much needed break, I am back to talk about one of my favorite herbs, California poppy. I absolutely love this herb for the nervous system. It's a nerving, it's a relaxant, it works on pain. So in this episode today, I'm going to discuss some of its mechanisms of action. I will talk about some of the main constituents or compounds that are found in California poppy. And then I've actually also added a new segment to the show called Emotional Nutrition, where I just give some general life advice or wisdom or things that maybe my younger self needed to hear or my future self will need to hear. Uh, And today, particularly, we will be talking about the idea of impermanence and acceptance. So let's get back into it. As you know, we love to always start with the fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know that in 1903, the California poppy was declared California's state flower, and every year on April 6th, the state celebrates California Poppy Day? When I lived in California, I would see this plant just line the highways. It was so beautiful. It's like this really amazing orange color. Uh, I actually have a monograph photo of it in my living room. It's just, it's beautiful, and I love it, and I love what it does in the body, which we're going to learn about in today's episode. So as you may or may not know, California poppy actually has a really long history, uh, again, particularly by the indigenous peoples of California. It's been used by the Pomo, and the Pomo name for this plant actually translates into English as milk disappearer plant. And for this purpose, they actually use the juice from the root or they will mash up the little seed pods and it can be applied topically um, to the breasts. So an interesting use for the plant, but uh, it has a really long-standing history in California. Now, when you hear the name California poppy, it might sound like something else that you have heard before. And so it is actually a distant relative to the opium poppy plant, but it's not habit forming. It does still have similar analgesic and anxiolytic applications in the body. So working on things like anxiety and pain, but it's not going to have those narcotic or addictive properties. And there's a couple of different ways to use this herb, which we'll talk about. It is a bitter herb. So a tincture, you know me, I'm a tincture girl. I absolutely love just kind of going right to the source. But you can also use it as uh, an, an infusion. So, you know, the roots, again, will have the, the sedative properties uh, for insomnia. Again, there's analgesic, so pain stuff going on if you've maybe had an injury or muscle pain, but also things like headaches and toothaches. People will also use the root to make it into a poultice or they can actually slice it up and apply it topically if you have cuts, burns, and scrapes. So something nice to kind of have in your herbal first aid kit for the summers. Now, in Western herbal practices, California poppy is generally used for sleep disorders, muscular tension, pain, and anxiety. And this is because it has, again, a lot of these properties that deal with working on some of the inflammatory pathways in the body, It has antispasmatic properties, 
Um, it can, again, be used internally and externally. So if you maybe have um, headaches, migraines, and again, that can go back to having heat in the body, which in Chinese medicine, we call it heat. In Ayurvedic, we call it, you know, excess pitta. In our Western nomenclature, we call it inflammation. So one of the main pharmacological activities of California poppy, or one of those main compounds, is the alkaloids that are found in particularly the root. So the total alkaloid content is highest in the root, but there's also flavonoids that are found in California poppy that have this overall anti-inflammatory effect in the body. But the bitter alkaloids in the California poppy, that's kind of what contributes to those analgesic, so those pain-relieving, pain-modulating, I would prefer to say, calming and sedative effects. And as you know, we want to always talk about what's going on energetically and taste-wise because this is really important when we are picking an herb, not only for our individual constitution type, but also understanding what our body needs more of. So taste-wise, this is a bitter herb. Energetically, it is cooling and a little drying. So this is, again, why if you have a lot of heat going on in the body, it can be helpful. And again, you can use it as an infused oil, you can use it as a tincture, you can use it topically. And again, some of the main actions include analgesic, anti-inflammatory, anxiolytic, antispasmatic, and again, it is a nervine, so working on the nervous system, and the it has sedative properties. So those are all things that, again, we always want to think about when we are picking an herb or a botanical. Now, as you know, we love to go into mechanism of action. So how are things physiologically working on the body? What organ systems is it working on? What enzyme pathways? Like, why does this thing actually work? So we talked about, you know, the alkaloids that are in California poppy and the flavonoids and things like that. But there's also another alkaloid in particular called protopine. Now, protopine is what is structurally similar to morphine, but its mechanisms of action can differ. So these protopine alkaloids have been shown in animal research to increase binding of, uh, or increase binding to the GABA receptors. So this is what gives it those benzodiazepam-like activity in the body. So it can bind to opioid receptors and GABA-A receptors in particular. And GABA-A receptors, their main role basically is to reduce the neuronal excitability by inhibiting nerve transmission. Now, you might have heard that sentence and said, what the hell does that mean? What that means is that it basically tells your neurons to be less excitable and to calm down and to have less of that nerve transmission so things can be nice and relaxed. This is how these benzodiazepines work. They're very calming. They bind to the GABA receptors. They also bind to serotonin receptors. And again, these alkaloids, protopine, uh, interacts with serotonin and GABA. So that's what gives it that nice calming effect to the mind, but it's not going to totally depress the central nervous system. Now, when we're talking about herbs, it is also important to understand, yes, what is it that they do, but who is this herb indicated for? What kind of person would benefit from this herb? Because every herb, even if it has XYZ properties, doesn't always mean it's going to be the herb for you. Now, we know that California poppy can be really helpful in cases of insomnia, insomnia, 
particularly if you're somebody who's very agitated or restless or got a lot of nervous system in the body. And what it does is it helps to promote healthy sleep cycles. So it can be very good for helping to ease the mind, calm down racing thoughts. Also, if you're somebody who has pain and that is making your sleep really difficult for you. There was a study that was done in 2019, and it looked at the efficacy of California poppy, so how well California poppy could work with other inter with other interventions. So they also added melatonin, vitamin B6, and so they looked at people who had mild to moderate uh, insomnia. And the study found that over the course of four weeks, participants reported statistically significant improvements in sleep quality. Now, when we're talking about sleep quality, this includes things like sleep onset latency, sleep duration, and then sleep-related daytime parameters. So how sleepy were you feeling the next day? How easy was it for you to fall asleep? How long did you actually stay asleep? What we also love about California poppy is that it is safe for kids. It's a really gentle herb for a child who is experiencing insomnia, or again, if your children are having a hard time calming down. Now, California poppy can be used as a sedative and a, uh, it has, you know, these hypnotic kind of uh, properties for children, especially in the case where your child is having a lot of overexcitement, but they're also, you know, not really able to calm down and they have this sleeplessness. And again, because it does have this bitter taste, it's definitely not going to be a fan favorite for your kids. So you might want to opt for a glycerate form, which again adds some sweetness to the remedy. So it's not going to, you know, be uh, something that's not palatable for them. With children, if you're having sleep issues, California poppy can be a really nice base. But I also love chamomile and catnip. The three of those together, you could do it as an adult as well. But the three of those together, I really, really love for the nervous system and promoting restful sleep. So again. If you've got anxiety going on, um, nervous agitation, hyperactivity, restlessness, insomnia, nervous tension, all of these things can tell you that California poppy might be the herb for you because it works on the nervous system. Again, so this is particularly indicated for anxiety that can manifest as jittery nervousness and where you have this sort of, again, just like hypersensitivity, you feel just very restless. There was also another uh, study that was done. So it was a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled study, which is like the gold standard of of studies. And it looked at the combination of California poppy and hawthorn extract paired with magnesium to treat mild to moderate anxiety. Now, I've done past episodes on hawthorn, so you can definitely listen to that. So California poppy, hawthorn, and magnesium. And what they found was over the course of three months, Researchers found that this combination of remedies uh, provided a safe and more effective result than placebos in treating mild to moderate anxiety. So if you're having full-on panic attacks and, you know, just absolute, um, you know, amygdala-based anxiety and you're quite literally feeling nervous, right, like that maybe is not going to be the herb for you. This is, again, talking about mild to moderate anxiety. So again, that kind of nervous tension, you're just sort of hyperactive, you're restless, can't calm the mind down. What's interesting and important to note is that California poppy does have a dose-dependent effect. So what that means is that at lower doses, it is predominantly more anxiolytic, 
So that means it's predominantly going to be helping with the mild to moderate anxiety. And then at higher doses, it's going to have more of those sedative effects. Um, so helping you actually like go to sleep and stay asleep, but it's not going to give you that hangover effect, which can happen when you take melatonin, which is why I don't always love melatonin for people. Because it is a cooling herb, California poppy can also be helpful for pain management. And again, addressing signs of heat in the body. So if you have like what feels a something like throbbing pain, um, something that's hot to the touch, it can also be very, very helpful for menstrual cramps and digestive cramps, as well as headaches and just pain from general injury. Again, those bitter properties, those alkaloids are going to be really helpful for that. And because it has those antispasmatic properties, believe it or not, California poppy can also be indicated for unproductive coughs. We've talked about this before. An unproductive cough is like that dry, you're hacking up a lung, uh, tickling your throat, right? Which is persistent hacking. It's dry. It gets worse at nighttime. It can maybe inhibit your ability to sleep. So it can be really nice for that because of its cooling energetics. It also acts as a diaphoretic. So that means it helps to encourage sweating, which is helpful if you potentially have a fever. We don't always want to get rid of a fever right away. It can help to break it. And if you also have any pain that is associated with your fever, it can be helpful for energetically hot coughs. So that cough that is very like uh, mucousy and you have aches and kind of that fluey feeling that's going on in the body. And then lastly, before we get into contraindications and a botanical breed tea, you can use it, like I said, topically. It's got those antimicrobial, I'm sorry, those antibacterial properties. So you can apply it, make a poultice uh, for cuts and scrapes. And again, the root in particular has been used for, you know, sores and ulcers through the body. And because it has an affinity for nerve pain, you can apply it topically if you want to use a tincture or an infused oil, you can put it, you know, quite literally like on to your body. If you're making an oil, you can use the whole plant and then you can, like I said, kind of just apply the herb uh, like as a wash, if you will, if, if you're feeling that physical pain. Contraindications. Lastly, this is important. So who should maybe not be using this herb? We do not want to use California poppy if we are drinking a lot of alcohol, if we're already taking tranquilizers, if we're potentially on other central nervous system depressants and um, MAOs. So be aware of that. We want to always make sure we're checking with our doctor. Um, if you take too much of it, because it can be sedative in nature and it is dose dependent, you might experience a headache or body fatigue the next day. So again, just be aware of the dose. More doesn't always mean better. It's also best to avoid California poppy if you are pregnant or trying to become pregnant because of one of the other alkaloids that is found in California poppy called cryptopene has been shown in animal studies to have a stimulating and oxytoxic effect on the uterus. So working on oxytocin. So we don't want that. And then again, um, it is important to know that while it is lower doses are considered gentle enough for children, we do not want to use California poppy um, for infants. Now, if you're looking for a quick and easy little tea, a soothing poppy tea, a little wind down moment, what you can do is, again, you can order any of these herbs off of something like mountainrose.com. They send, you know, bulk herbs. They're great. 
Um, you can also look on Amazon, just make sure that it's organic, try and look up the supplier. But you can do one part California poppy, one part chamomile, one part milky oats, and then one part marshmallow root. Again, because the California poppy is bitter, you're going to want to add some herbs in there that are a little bit sweet. So I love chamomile and I love marshmallow in particular. Those both add a really nice little taste. Now to round out the show, I'm adding in this new segment. It may be in every episode moving forward. It may not be, but it's called emotional nutrition. And I talk about this a lot because as we know, when you feel sick, physically sick, you go to the doctor, right? You're like, oh, my throat hurts. I have a headache, whatever. I got to go get a checkup. But when we feel emotionally imbalanced or unwell, like what is it that we're doing? How are we taking care of our emotional hygiene? So our mind and our emotions and our thoughts and, and all of that. And so sometimes I always say, you know, advice is a form of nostalgia, but also advice sometimes is things that you think you might need to hear for future versions of yourself or themes that consistently come back in your life. So for today's emotional nutrition, we're going to be talking about impermanence and acceptance because I think these are two important overarching themes that kind of come up a lot for me. And I think as we have navigated some really weird times over the past few years, these have really just kind of helped me find stillness and just, you know, be content and at peace with whatever is happening for me, not happening to me. I once actually heard this quote that said, not all blessings come as Kool-Aid, some come as medicine. And I love that because I think that you can apply this to a lot of areas of your life, whether it's maybe accepting something you can't understand, right? Those are not always mutually exclusive. You can fully accept something and not have total mm, analytical control over the why this is happening. This also can be the idea of realizing that sometimes what's best for your long-term life or your long-term health goals might not always align with what you feel you want right now, or maybe you're just having a hard time, quote, swallowing the medicine that life is giving you right now. So I think it's, again, that idea of like, we have to, quote, digest what's happening. And again, emotional indigestion is something that I see in my practice a lot. I've experienced it myself. It comes up in Chinese medicine and acupuncture a lot. But again, we're all dealing with things in different ways. And to be honest, what I also tell people is that there really isn't any one right way or one wrong way to deal with what's happening. But what we cannot understand, we have to accept. So that is a mantra I tell myself sometimes. Like if I can't, I can't always understand. And that's tough when you have a super analytical mind and you want to understand everything and you want to get to the root cause. Sometimes you're just not going to understand the why right now. You might understand it looking back retrospectively. And I know acceptance, ew, that's right up there with patience for me. Uh, don't love that all the time. However, um, there are just certain things that happen we don't have control over and that's fine. And that's kind of what also brings me to one of the essential doctrines of Buddhism, which is the idea of impermanence, which basically says that uh, all things in our life are transient and they're fading and they're, you know, inconsistent, seasonal. And this has really 
believe it or not, helps me feel more in control when there are actually turbulent times or unsure, unprecedented times, whatever you want to call it in your life. And the idea that nothing is permanent, and that's actually a really good thing, right? Sunshine all the time makes a desert, as I like to say. So everything around us is, you know, always changing, including yourself. That's a really good thing. It's different. Different doesn't always mean bad. And I like to, you know, give the analogy of the idea of of sometimes, you know, like when you have a, a computer that you've had for a while or a phone or whatever it is, and it will say, okay, it's ready for, you know, your software update. And it will do that kind of frequently. And for a while, you're like, no, I don't need to do that. And you just ignore it. But we as humans, right, we also need these emotional, spiritual health updates on a regular basis. So being aware of that, right, and that kind of goes circles back to the idea of impermanence. And then, you know, if you ignore those updates for long enough, you ever notice that your phone and your computer just get slower, or, you know, when you have like a bunch of tabs that are open on your computer and then all of a sudden your computer gets really hot and it makes all these weird noises and then all of a sudden your phone just or your computer just like automatically quits. So this can happen as humans as well, right? You got a lot going on. You haven't updated your software in a while. Um, you are like ignoring all of the, the fan blowing on your computer, all of this, and then things just shut down. That's when we get sick. That's when we get burnt out. That's when we make decisions out of a place of scarcity mindset or fear or out of alignment. So I just want to remind people that a lot of the pain that we have or sadness in our life that we are experiencing, it, it just comes from a form of non-acceptance a lot of the times or resistance to kind of what is. And the idea that serenity or peace or whatever you want to call it comes when you trade those expectations of acceptance for this idea of like, what's good in my now? Like what is happening right now that is good for me? Small victories that, you know, I'm a really big proponent of small victories and gaining positive momentum again, because a lot of the time, the intensity of the pain or the sadness or whatever it is that we're experiencing can depend on the degree of resistance that we are having to the present moment because we're thinking about what could have been, what should have been, what if, what if I would have done it differently. And like, it's the idea of just being where your feet are because we really understand now that the mind loves to resist being present or being in the now because when it's doing that, it can't necessarily feel like it's in control because this idea of time constraints like the past or the future it feels like it's controlling something because it can kind of change the narrative right so what i tell myself and what i'm telling anybody who this maybe resonates with is that you can pay very very brief visits to the future and the past right you can fantasize about something or you can reminisce about something or get excited about something in the future or the past, but understand that, you know, um, that's not always accurate and that we have to live in the now. And again, it's the idea of like resisting the present moment because that, that resistance, it's what breeds that non-acceptance. So accept and then act, right? Accept the moment as it is except as if you have chosen it and make it your friend and then you can act and say, what's the next best decision for me? So what at this moment can I do? What's the next best step? What's good in my now? Um, what at this moment is currently lacking that I can do something to gain positive momentum? So that's all I have for you guys. I mean, I'm really excited to be back. I 
Hope that this episode resonates with some people. I figured the California poppy nervous system stuff kind of paired with the idea of uh, impermanence and acceptance. And I look forward to seeing you all for the next episode. Ciao. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Pew!